Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well. Um, I am well. I'm getting better. I'm going to let you in on a very personal matter here. I've been out of commission for a few days and yesterday as well. I'm so sorry, but now I'm with you forever until Jesus returns. Um, I'm going to let you know a, a personal matter because it's a bit fun. I actually had gallbladder surgery. Um, and, uh, just, uh, uh, a week ago, exactly. And they counted, I had, no, I'm going to ask you to guess how uh, gallbladder surgery. It's, it's very, very routine. Probably many of you have had that. It's, it's very common today and routine, but guess how many gallstones I had. I'm going to wait till you guess. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm kidding you. 50. Five zero. Can you? I've never heard of that before. Can you imagine anyone that's had fifty gallstones? I don't know how there was room for them in there. It's an amazing thing, and they told me the only way I could have um, had that many is if they've been building for years. And I've I've been struggling a couple of years with I didn't know what the cause was, uh, but I found out. And they're gone, and now I'm just recovering, which is going extremely well. So I will be with you forever. But if anyone ever tells you they had their gallbladder out and had seven stones or 12 stones, you can say them. You know somebody who maybe have won the prize. I'm sure there's people that have had more than that, but that's just, um, we've been laughing about it on this end ever since. Um Anyway, dear ones, I'm fine. I'm happy to be with you. And uh, I think uh, we won't have cause to not be with you again. Take a few days. We needed to run some encore programs. But we're back live now. I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be with you. And it's Friday. And if we're going to live as Catholics, beloved, we need to abstain from meat which is what the United States bishops have asked us to do and which has been the norm for these 2,000 years. But if there's a reason why you cannot abstain from meat, um, uh, the church asks us to make another sacrifice uh, in remembrance and somewhat in union with our Lord's Good Friday sacrifice for us. We, we need to do that, and especially... If you're a vegetarian or you don't eat meat anyway, um, uh, you need to to uh, abstain from something else that's uh, that will be a sacrifice. Um, I know the carnivore diet has become huge, so if you abstain from meat, you're really going to be fasting. Uh, might be a good idea, but um, the the point is that the church has never. Um, negated the fast, only the absolute requirement for meat. Uh, if there's a reason why 
you cannot abstain from meat. So it's still another sacrifice. We've gotten away from it so much that many of us, we don't even like the reminder. Here at our Priory, uh, we don't eat meat Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. So that's, uh, we always, and we fast further than that on Friday. Um, And when you get into the habit, it it becomes easier. But um, here I am annoying you, reminding you of that. Um, and we are going to go back to what we began on Wednesday again, which is, and, and then go straight through the Baltimore Catechism. And it's lesson one on the end of man from Baltimore Catechism number three. And we went through that. We spent uh, a good amount of time on that. The question is, what do we mean by the end of man? If someone says to you, why do we exist? What for? What's the meaning of life? Um, We can say, if we memorize this, by the end of man, we mean the purpose for which he was created, namely to know, love, and serve God. So why do you exist? I remember um, when I first gave my life to Christ, as an evangelical Protestant, through evangelical Protestantism, I didn't even know I was an evangelical Protestant. The only thing I knew is that I was a Christian, a follower of Christ, the Christ, the Messiah. That's what I knew. And my friends would say, and I would say to them, I have a reason to live now. I know why we're alive. I know why mankind's on the earth. And they said, what is it? I said, to know God. They said, what? I said, to know God. And they said, to know God? What's that? I said, it's everything. It's an amazing thing to know that God exists, to know that he loves you, that he made you for himself, and you can't do anything about that. You can refuse him, but you are infinitely loved, and and he has a purpose for your life, and that is to know, love, and serve God. It may not seem like much to you, beloved, if you don't believe. But when you have the gift of faith fill your life, it is everything. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters to me. And now look at this time of pandemic and epidemic and uh, being misused in so many ways. Um, And we are suffering from it. But We can trust that God, who made us for himself, to know him, to love him, and to serve him, and to know him is to know how much we are loved. And we'll never know that this side of heaven, but we are infinitely loved. He loved us while we were yet in our sin. He died for us then. He didn't wait for us to know and love and serve him. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He died for us while we were yet in our sin. And Romans chapter 5 said, if he died for us while we were yet sinners, can you imagine how much more he lives for us now that we believe in him and have been forgiven of our sins, those of us who have come to him with repentant hearts and asked forgiveness. And so I'm uh, I'm just, I've, I've never gotten over it, changed my life had a reason to live and the most unimaginable reason. Someone could work for the president of a company and be proud of it. Somebody could work for the president of a country and be proud of it. Guess who I work for? Guess who I know? Guess who I... And, and I say, well, this that's really great, but guess who I know? 
they say who? I said, I know God. It's a little, I'll raise you one or I'll raise you a million. I know God. And they look at me like I'm crazy. What? I know God. I know God. And he knows me. And I love him and he loves me. Song of Solomon. I am I'm, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. The thought consumes me. It's been many, many years and I, I don't think I'll ever get over it. I'm, because it, it's completely unearned, unmerited, undeserved. People say I'm not worthy and I say you got that right. We deserve hell. The grace of God has given us heaven, what we don't deserve. Heaven is the life of God that begins right here on earth. Living forever with the life of God is not just um, uh, uh, infinite forever in terms of time. And of course, outside the earth, there is no time. Uh, There is no space, time and space. Um, uh, Now, I, I lost... So it's not just the amount of life, it's the quality of life. It's God's life in you. It's God's life in you. I have the God of the universe in me. And every sin I commit is an offense against him all over again. Stabs his heart all over again. That sacred heart, he said, that so loved the world and is so little loved in return. We're Catholics, most most often, very often, Catholics go about their own, their own way, their own way, and when they're in the world, they complain about unbelievers. How could we complain? How can we complain when we've received the gift that they have not? Why, what do we have, the Apostle Paul says, that we haven't received? Well, why haven't they received it? I don't know. I don't know why I received it. I don't know. It's God's love. Free, abounding, infinite, matchless love. That's what it is. Grace beyond anything we can conceive. Um, So I don't get annoyed with unbelievers. My heart goes out to them and I say, Lord, why me? Why me? Why did you pour your love on me? Why did you open my heart to know you and love you and trust you and believe? It's a pure gift. And the only thing I want to do with that gift is share it with every single soul that breathes. One beggar telling another beggar where to get food. And as Catholics, where to get the eternal food, the bread of life. The true bread come from heaven. Okay. We're going to go on to point two of the catechism. I keep threatening you with that (laughs) when we come back from the break, beloved. And then during our second break, um, we'll begin to take your calls, your emails, and your texts. Our toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 and email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. We 
stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture. Or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. We are looking at the Baltimore Catechism, number three, on the end of man. And we are going to go to question two, which is actually uh, question number 127 in volume three. And the question is, how do you know that man was created for God alone? How do you know that? You know, dear ones, these Q&A through the Baltimore Catechism have stood the test of time. They are absolutely fantastic. And you can become an apologist just by going over these over and over again. You'll memorize them without knowing it, and you'll be able to answer people who don't know, who uh, are walking through life without purpose, without meaning. How do you know that man was created for God alone? The answer given here is that I know man was created for God alone because everything in the world was created for more something more perfect than itself. But there is nothing in the world more perfect than man. Therefore, he was created for something outside this world. And since he was not created for the angels, he must have been created for God. Okay, man is God's highest creation. 
We are made a little lower than the angels only for a time. Only for a time. When we are with God in heaven, we will be higher than the angels. There is no creation higher than man, than mankind, man and woman. And so how do you know that man was created for God alone? I know that man was created for God alone because everything in the world was created for something more perfect than itself. But there is nothing in the world more perfect than man. Therefore, he was created for something outside this world. And since he was not created for the angels who were outside this world, he must have been created for God. I'm thinking when I saw the the film Song of Bernadette and the uh, priest brought Bernadette in, he did not believe that she had seen the Blessed Virgin. And um, he asked her some catechism questions. And uh, if she hadn't gotten up to that yet, of course, she couldn't answer the question. But she would answer uh, his questions word for word as in the catechism word for word and because someone answers word for word does not mean they have no understanding not at all Uh, it means that the meaning might be deeper than their ability to understand at the moment and the words protect the meaning but as we grow we uncover more we say my goodness i've been saying that for 20 years i just got it that's this is with all of us all of us next question in what respect are all men equal now this is a question for our time uh, to um, talk about all the lives that matter and and feminism and all of this distorted thinking that is destroying our country Um, in what respect are all men equal the answer All men are equal in whatever is necessary for their nature and end. This is so important. They are all composed of a body and soul. They are all created to the image and likeness of God. They are all gifted with understanding and free will. And they have all been created for the same end, which is God. That's how we're equal. So if I had a woman come to me and said, women are not equal with men, and I mean to see that changed, we could say, oh, yes, they are. In what respect did God intend us to be equal? And we could say, we are intended by God to be equal in whatever is necessary for our nature and end. We are all composed of a body and soul. We are all created to the image and likeness of God, men and women. We are all gifted with understanding and free will. And we have all been created for the same end, which is God. Equality, beloved, goes no further than that. There might be gifts that people have in common. There might be uh, several things that people have in common. But they are equal in God's creation of them. Um, That is the only thing that they are equal in, is God's creation of them. And no no matter what we do to change laws, to to picket, 
to protest, uh, all of that. We cannot change one thing of what God has done. We cannot. A woman can decide to be a man. She's still a woman. The man can be decide to be a, can decide to be a woman. Doesn't matter what he does to himself. He could buy a wig and a dress and and do whatever he wants. But he's still a man. We cannot change what God has done. He has made us equal by creating us in His image and likeness. The scriptures say that God created man and made him male and female. God created man and made man male and female. Man, humankind, God created. And he made us all equal in that. He didn't, uh, uh, he wasn't convinced to make us equal. He wasn't coerced into making us equal. We didn't have any riots. That's what he did. And if we look for quality in other things, we destroy uh, how God has made us and what he's made us for. Women are not equal with men if they have equal pay for the same job. Not so. Not so. Um, uh, They're only equal by uh, the creation of God and what he has intended in creating us. Nothing we could do, no matter how much we picket and protest and march. Uh, We are equal with men. Uh, Men are equal with women only in God's creation of them. Next question. Who made the world? Okay, everybody out there, who made the world? Begins with capital G. Who made the world? You're on. Yeah, good for you. God made the world. God made the world. Very simple. Who made the world? God made the world. You don't have any idea. Many of us don't have any idea um, how huge that is, how huge the answer is. Many people will say, we don't know. It just, the Big Bang Theory, it just came into being. It just happened. Uh, No, sir. No way. God made the world and he created it out of nothing. Out of nothing. He created the world. Next question. What does the world, W-O-R-L-D, mean in this question? Excuse my yawns. I'm still... uh, I'll probably be recovering for the next week. Um, what does the world mean in this question? Who made the world? What, does the, what do we mean by the world? And in this question, world means the universe. That is the whole creation. All that we now see or may hereafter see. So the world encompasses all that is physical or every created inch of it. Now, the world is used in other ways as well. If we speak about uh, going after the world or living like the world or being worldly, we're speaking about, in that sense, morals and actions or lack of them. But the world uh, being created refers to the world that God made. Next question, who is God? Okay, answer that. Can your three-year-old answer who is God? Can your seven-year-old, can your 40-year-old answer who is God? 
you can say, well, Jesus is God, or God is Jesus, but he's not only Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus is one person of the Blessed Trinity. Who is God? The answer the Baltimore Catechism gives is that God is the creator of heaven and earth and of all things. Your children could memorize that. You could memorize that. You could be in a conversation in a supermarket, in the park, in business, in anywhere, and be able to speak intelligently about God. People might say, who, well, who is your God? Who is God? Who, how do you know he exists? Who is God? And you'd say, he's the creator of heaven and earth and all, all things. He's our creator. He existed before us, and he made everything. And you can ask them back, well, you don't know who God is, but what is man? That's the next question. Can you tell me what man is? What are you? Oh, pardon me, dear ones. I'm, I am tired, but I didn't want to run another encore today. What is man? Man is a creature composed of body and soul and made to the image and likeness of God. What is man? Man is a creature composed of body and soul and made to the image and likeness of God. And, and one might say, all men, without exception? The answer is yes. What about the Blessed Virgin, some may ask? Same thing. Man takes it male and female. The Blessed Virgin is a creature composed of body and soul and made to the image and likeness of God. The church has never taught otherwise. She is the most magnificent creature God ever created, and he created her without sin, a singular grace. The Immaculate Conception means that she was conceived in her mother Anne's womb without sin. God did that. Um, he removed the stain of original sin from Mary. So she was born without sin and never committed a sin in her entire life. Who is God? Can you say it? Who is God? God is the creator of heaven and earth and of all things. What is man? Man is a creature composed of body and soul and made to the image and likeness of God. Oh, my apologies, dear ones. Next question, does man, M-A-N, in the catechism mean all human beings? Does it mean all human beings, man? What's your answer? If you said yes, you're right. Man in the catechism means all human beings, either men or women, boys, girls, or children. Man in the catechism means all all beings, all human beings. Okay, I'm going to get a few yawns in during the break. <laughs> Forgive me for that. And you are um, invited to call in with anything on your heart, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at and we'll take your calls, your texts, and emails As soon as we return from the break, don't you go away. God bless you. We'll be right back.
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. And in between yawns, I'm going to answer your questions as best I can. And the toll-free number is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have a text from Teresa. Teresa writes, Hi, Mother. I have a question in regards to masks and the wearing of masks. In my diocese, masks are required to attend Mass. This does not sit well in my gut, and I feel it is irreverent to attend Mass with a mask covering your face. What is your opinion on this? Should I go to Mass with a mask on, even though my gut tells me so? Uh, My gut tells me no. Um, I have not been to Mass since the diocese has enforced the rule on masks. The diocese has also stated that those with concerns are not under grave sin if they do not attend Mass through August 2nd. If the mask rule does not lift when the dispensation lifts, do I ignore my gut and go to Mass mass with a mask on? Beloved, there is no dispensation. We've been talking about that for a while. Cardinal Burke 
uh, was the first that I heard. He's one of the top canon lawyers of the church. He's one of the first to say that no priest, no bishop, no one has the power to give dispensation uh, from Mass. Sunday Mass is still required. And um, uh, there is no dispensation to not go to Mass on Sundays. And so a, a bishop may give the dispensation, but he is, he's out of order. He's, he's taken on a power that he does not have and that God cannot, um, uh, does not go along with. And the bishops who do that, I think, are doing it in pure ignorance. They don't know, but they should know. So it's always been the case that uh, mass attendance on Sunday is required, and if someone hasn't gone for a reason that they're sick or they're helping someone else who's ill or for a grave reason, that uh, to go to confession before Sunday Mass and receive absolution, which has always been the case, and it can be, it, it's still the case now. It's still the case now. Um, and so, um, let's see now. Uh, Teresa says, I also have a son that will be first communion age this fall, and I want to do what is best for him as he prepares for his first um, Holy Communion this coming school year. Thank you, Mother. It is not a sin to go to church with a mask on. It is not. Many people just don't want to wear the mask for a number of reasons, uh, not the least of which is that it's very uncomfortable. But um, it is not a sin, absolutely not a sin. In fact, from time to time, you may see people that are ill that do come to Mass, and they have masks on for their illness to not spread it. And there are people who wear a mask now for that reason. It's not sinful. uh, It's not irreverent. So you're certainly uh, free to do that if you wish. It's not a problem. Um, uh, You may receive other graces to to abstain from from Mass at times. Um, but no, uh, you can you you can go with a mask on. If you don't wish to, you could speak to your pastor about it. But if he insists on a mask for everybody, um, then you have a choice to make. And I would make the choice personally of going to mass as long as I can receive communion on the tongue. So to receive communion on the tongue, I have to be able to pull my mask down um, or lift it up one or the other. And and uh, and put my tongue out appropriately so that the priest could put the host on my tongue. Th- that I would not forfeit. The mask is secondary. Um, we have a call from Ron in Syracuse. Hello, Ron. Hello, Mother. Good morning. Nice Good to morning. talk to you again. <laughs> Thanks, uh, dear. I'm glad you called. Oh, thank you, Mother. God bless. Mother, I've got a question about Walmart. Uh, mm-hmm. I get this website from John Horvat, and uh, uh, he was talking about uh, Walmart. This is over a year now. Signed a petition because there's some satanic products, and you know, they get a 21 page catalog with 400 items, and there's everything satanic. Mm-hmm. And ever since I read that last year, I just don't feel like to go in there and shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I being too scrupulous? Because no. I love Walmart. Other no, 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 you're not being too scrupulous. 
Um, uh-huh. What I would do is go in and speak to the manager and say, "Yeah, I want." Uh, yeah, you you did that. No, I, you're right. I want to do that. I, I haven't been in there it, even to tell him that. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Do it, Ron. And you could say you learned that they were selling satanic products, um, and you're Catholic, and you you cannot abide that, not just for yourself, but for the selling of those to others. Um, and so uh, if they're still selling them, you want him to know that you're not alone, but you will no longer shop at Walmart. So I would do that. Yeah, on his website said they're making a little inroad, but I don't know what making a little inroad means. I don't either. Uh, I would go into the store what? and see. I yeah. would go. I right. would go and see and ask him. He and he could say to you, "We've gotten rid of everyone, but we can't speak for every Walmart." Well, if they've gotten rid of yeah. everyone, you could shop in their Walmart. You know that you might I, feel free. I guess it's thank you. I guess it's on catalog. I don't know if it's even in the stores, but it's on catalog. You can buy it through the Walmart catalog, see? And oh. uh, that's what I, yeah, so it's, well, then I, I would know, in the store. Then, yeah, yeah, well, I would do both. And I would speak to the manager of the store where you'd normally shop. And then um, I would say, I want you to know that the fact that uh, Walmart is selling satanic items in its catalog I need to stop shopping in Walmart, and I'm very sad about that because I like this store. Um, and then, because they, they have managers' meetings, and the manager can bring that up, and I'd also write a letter to headquarters letting them know. Wonderful. I will do that. Mother, thank you very much. Appreciate You're it. You're welcome, dear Ron. God bless you. God bless you, a, too. Thanks. Thank you, sweetie. We have a call from John in Kentucky. Hi, John. Hi, Mother Miriam. How are you today? I'm, well, I'm, I know you're t- I'm tired. <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm tired. I'm so sorry about that, but I am getting better. I'm getting stronger. I'm healing. And, you know, I say I'm past 25 years old. It takes a little longer, but it's okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm a happy camper. I want to tell you a really very quick story about why I think it's so important for young people to uh, be, well, to be made, to be forced to, uh, if they have to, to uh, memorize the Baltimore Catechism. I had pancreatic cancer five years ago when I really shouldn't be here because it's such a terrible cancer. And I remember after... Uh, I remember after this huge operation, I was I, I was full of anxiety. I was feeling all this anxiety, which I think is normal after going through something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember um, saying to myself, I went back to the Baltimore Catechism. Mm-hmm. And um, in my mind, I said, well, okay, who made me? God made me. Why did he make me to know, love, and serve him mm-hmm. in this life and in the next? And mm-hmm. my anxiety, my anxiety was lifted immediately. It was an amazing thing. And I was so happy I, I had to learn the Baltimore Catechism. How so just, how just, just how important do you think it is that that young people are, you know, are, are made. I mean, I guess sometimes you have to force young kids to do things, but to memorize the catechism, actually put it to memory. Yeah, I think it's 100% important. I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's necessary. And um, uh, any parent that raises their child from scratch uh, should never have to force a child. That's just home education. That should be as normal as... Uh, eating a meal 
that you have a time every day that you're in the catechism and you memorize it and you exercise your brain, your mind, you teach little children to memorize their address and the phone number and all of that, they can memorize the catechism. I think it's, I think it's uh, necessary. It's not necessary that everyone choose the Baltimore Catechism to study the faith. There are other means that parents may choose um, but any other means uh, is going to make it very difficult for memory because you need to narrow it down to a couple of sentences. Um, but but that's okay, too, if you don't use the Baltimore Catechism uh, and you use another catechism, I think we should still memorize our faith. I think we should memorize Scripture. We need to know our faith to know God. And your example, John, is absolutely beautiful that your anxiety lifted. It's absolutely beautiful. Well, God bless you. Okay, God you bless too. you. You too, dear okay. one. And thanks for calling in on that, John. Thank you. We bye. have an email from, bye-bye. We have an email from Mary Ellen who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, can a lifelong practicing Catholic who now has Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's disease receive Jesus in the Holy Eucharist if they don't know who they are, who their spouse is, or to realize who they are receiving in Holy Communion. Thank you, and God bless you, Mary Ellen. You know, I haven't uh, thought about a question like that before, but um, I would say yes, if they are a truly lifelong practicing Catholic, and they believed in the Eucharist before, and they never missed receiving our Lord, uh, in the Eucharist, especially on Sundays, um, and there they went. Uh, they developed Alzheimer's and still believed, still received the sacraments, and just it's gotten to such a stage now that they just can't identify anybody or anything. If they want to receive the Eucharist in their state, I would I would say yes, because. Uh, they knew the Eucharist just as they knew their children, their own children and people. And so um, I would say yes, yes, that they could continue to receive Holy Communion because that was their last true and deep state as a Catholic before they um, deteriorated to a level that they, uh, again, uh, are not so aware of everything now. I would say yes, Mary Ellen. I don't know that some people may agree, priests may disagree. I don't know that, but again, if they're faithful Catholics right to the end, I would I would say to continue receiving them the Eucharist, continue um, giving them the Eucharist, I would say so. We have an email from Amir who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I just heard you answer a question about counseling others who objectively are committing grave sin and living a life that leads to hell. I am wondering about my own situation where so many family members off the top of my head, it seems like the majority of them are in this situation. It runs from missing mass on Sundays and holy days to disregarding even lying during confession, sins against chastity, adultery, fraud, and on. Years ago, when I had reverted to the faith, I asked a priest about this in confession and received what I now think was bad advice. He said that they know they are in sin 
and there isn't really a need for me to speak with them. Oh, dear. At that time, I was so specifically, I was also specifically asking about an uncle of mine who for decades has lived with a woman who is not his wife, while his real wife lives alone in a different city. Well, this is pretty awful, um, Amir, and we're going to come back uh, to the rest of your email right after the break. And you are free, beloved, to call in with anything on your heart whatsoever, uh, toll free at one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSight in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. convictions into action and stand out for life every Saturday morning wherever you may be. We'll be broadcasting live 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern hosted by myself Jim Havens and Father Stephen Imbarato as we stand out live on location. But this is more than a broadcast. It's a call to action. Grab a pro-life sign and publicly take a stand outside of a local abortion center or any high traffic area like an exit ramp, overpass, or street corner. And as you do, listen to the Stand Out for Life broadcast. If you're in the Eastern time zone, stand out from 9 to 10 a.m. and listen live. But if you're in a different time zone, the broadcast is easily available to you via podcast shortly after it airs on the iCatholic Radio app. So you can stand out and listen anytime that is most convenient for you. The main thing is that we all take at least an hour to stand out for life in public witness every Saturday, even if it's just sitting on the front porch holding a pro-life sign. Whatever you can do, we all must take a part in public witness for the end of abortion. God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear family. This is our last segment together. We have a full 10 minutes. Our lines are wide open if you'd like to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. We're on a, um, in the middle of an email by Amir, and I've just read the first paragraph. I'll reread that so we have the whole thing together. 
Amir said, I just heard you answer question about counseling others who objectively are committing a grave sin and living a life that leads to hell. I am wondering about my own situation, where so many family members, off the top of my head it seems like the majority of them, are in this situation. It runs from missing Mass on Sundays and Holy Days, or disregarding even lying during confession, sins against chastity, adultery, fraud, and on. Years ago, when I had reverted to the faith, I asked a priest about this in confession and received what I now think was bad advice. He said that they know they are in sin and there isn't really a need for me to speak with them. Well, I don't understand that. If, if love, um, uh, love, uh, faithful to the wounds of a friend, love goes to someone so that they go to heaven. Um, if if people know they're in sin, that's when you need to go to them, especially and and let their let God prick their conscience to to come out of it to get over it. So I don't understand a priest like that. He is ordained for the salvation of souls. Um, let's see now. Um, and uh, Amir says, at that time, I was also specifically asking about an uncle of mine who for decades has lived with a woman who is not his wife, while his real wife lives alone in a different city. Amir says, I've grown up with this second woman and almost see her as an aunt. She's always been nice to me, and I do like her, but I definitely don't think that their living situation is blameless. And I also feel bad for her because she is in a position where she's completely financially dependent on my uncle. What is your advice? Amir asks, what is your advice for dealing with fraternal correction for those who are beyond my immediate family, like the case of this uncle, but also aunts, cousins, my grandmother, etc.? I almost feel like everyone will dislike me, but I don't know, um, but I don't care if that's what God wants me to do. What about uh, with co- colleagues and acquaintances at work, there's also the added concern of being ostracized, reprimanded, or fired. Also, I am currently working in Japan, and everyone in my family is thousands of miles away, so I'm not sure if I should immediately contact these family members. Nobody knows how much longer anyone will live. Or if I should wait until I see them in person, it's a very long list of people. Let me see how much more. One more sentence um, to Amir's uh, email. He says, I don't anticipate being back home for a few months at the least. If that clarifies the timeline for when I anticipate seeing these relatives again, thank you and God bless you. We should always go to someone in love to speak the truth in love. If it's a family member, Amir, I believe we have a responsibility. I think we have a responsibility with all people, but it may not be the time to put it into effect uh, with people at work. You, you're going to have to discern that and judge that. If you could take them out for coffee, get them into a private situation and talk to them about it, they may not be offended. They may appreciate you. You may say, you know, I have something I... 
I really would love to speak to you about. Would you would you give me a half hour? We can go out for coffee. Um, and then tell them that uh, you considered that this may be, they may think it's none of their business, none of my business, uh, and all of that. But um, but you're telling uh, you're telling him you'd be telling them that it is your business because God has um, um, put it so on your heart. So I would warn them. I would warn them severely. I would speak with them, and then I would warn them. As for all every relative of yours, especially the ones you're living with. Um, if uh, concerning your colleagues at work, um, I think you need to pray for them and discern the right time uh, when you can speak with them and, and perhaps go further if they'll allow you to do that. You could also just serve um, um, uh, see I'm, 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 I'm dozing already and I'm, 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 I got myself off, off track. You can also um, uh, if you live a life that is a witness, they may come to you and ask you moral questions. But if not, and you come to know someone, um, you may say, you know, there's something on my heart I've been wanting to say to you a long time. Would you give me that opportunity? And then if they say, you know, that's really not your business, you could say to them, well, uh, you might be right, except we are our brother's keeper. And God made us to care for one another. And I, I noticed this without prying. I noticed it and uh, wanted to let you know you were in danger. Okay. Um, uh, Kristen is on the line from Los Angeles. Hello, Kristen. Hi, just quickly, Mother. Um, I just wanted to um, reinforce that uh, the church permits babies to be baptized, confirmed, and to receive Holy Communion immediately, you know, day one. And the reason is that the only requirement for the reception of Holy Communion is that you be without any mortal sin. And a dementia or Alzheimer's patient that has been a practicing Catholic receiving Holy Communion cannot be in a state of mortal sin. So um, that is, you know, that they've been, you know, living a life of um, love of the Eucharist and Christ and so forth. Mm -hmm. So there would be no impediment to their receiving Holy Communion as right. they get. Even with Alzheimer. Mm -hmm. Yes. And or any kind of dementia or mental incapacity. Very good. Kristen, thank you. In for fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, it's really important for people that are caring for children that might be um, retarded or Down syndrome that they receive Holy Communion. I had a 41-year-old 40 woman who had had a seizure when she was a year old. She never made her first Holy Communion. She lived a stainless life, mm -hmm. but we did get her Holy Communion before she died. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, um, I wouldn't be able to answer that myself if she has not been able to express some kind of faith during her life. Oh, no, you're baptized. The, the, you're infused. Faith is an infused gift. Mm -hmm. The child, when he's baptized, oh, she sorry. is baptized. I, 
I'm sorry. I didn't. Uh, I I didn't realize the child had been baptized. You're you're okay. You're okay. Oh yes, Listen. absolutely. That's absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. And if someone uh, questions that they didn't know the church gives baptism, communion, holy communion, and confirmation to a baby, uh, the entire Eastern Church does that uh, as as an absolute infant. So um, and. And the Western Church can do it, I think, uh, on request. So, Kristen, thanks. Always good. Your input is always wonderful. There's the music for the close of our program, dear ones. Um, I've got a weekend before me. I will catch up on lots of sleep and um, have a wonderful weekend. Live for God. Love Him, know Him, serve Him with your whole heart. God bless you. And uh, speak with you on Monday.